0: What's up everybody, Nathan King with Auburn Undercover recording a live edition of the Auburn Undercover podcast. Just thought I'd try out our new YouTube channel and see what we got going on see uh, see if anybody wants to pop in and put a put a poll out for some questions earlier so uh, if anybody, has any of those. This is going to kind of just be an open discussion. So literally whatever y'all want, um, we'll talk about it. So let me get to those real quick and post that on Twitter right now. Alrighty. So I will edit this all out at the end. Let's get everything in here. So I asked, well, this was well before the Justin Powell news, so I guess we'll get to that first. Um, Justin Powell is transferring, uh, Auburn shooting guard, who only played a handful of games. I think he only played into the second game of the SEC season. It was against Texas A&M that he got hurt. So it was a severe concussion in that game. And everybody kind of assumed he was going to, make his comeback and and come back and play later in the season when Sharif Cooper got cleared to play. Things A lot of people were looking up, a lot of people were excited then that he and Sharif were going to be able to play in the same backcourt, um, but that never came to be, obviously. Um, and now he is transferring out of the program. I believe it was our own. Let's see what we got here. I hope I can pronounce Travis's last name correctly. Travis Branham. Well, okay, that wasn't as hard as I thought. Uh, Travis Branham. Uh, Justin told him that, he is leaving. He said thank you to Bruce Pearl, Auburn staff, teammates, trainers, doctors, and everyone at Auburn. I felt this was the best decision for me at this time. Bruce Pearl said um, after the Mississippi State game that he was expecting some roster turnover. I think a lot of people were probably, myself included, everyone else, I think most people included. I'm uh, probably surprised that it was Justin Powell. I mean, this was a guy that was in line, I think, for a big role next season. Um, I think a lot of people probably thought that that he was going to be able to contribute. high. I mean, I thought he had a chance to be a starter. Um, he was putting up some of the best freshman numbers in the country before he got injured. And so really when you look at his body of work from this season, I, I think if he had continued what he had been doing, if he had continued his pace, um, I think he would have been an all-SEC. We saw Sharif Cooper was named freshman all-SEC. I think Justin Powell would have been an all-SEC freshman performer if he had kept it up, um, if he had been able to play over the course of the entire season. So. He is leaving the program, though, so that's a big blow, not only for next year and the loaded Auburn roster, is what looks like a loaded Auburn roster for next season, but just, I mean, the future of the program. He was a guy that I thought um, being an Anthony McLemore-type player where he plays three or four seasons and just contributes really highly um, for three or four seasons. So, uh, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what he does next. I know there's a lot of, um, Justin Lee says... Does Auburn? I'll just start answering these uh, as we go. I'll, that's we'll just we'll literally talk about whatever y'all want. Uh, just wanted to chill and hang out and, and test this thing out and see how everybody likes it. Um, Justin Lee, does Auburn really need Justin Powell when Dylan Cardwell is hitting 100 of his three pointers? That's very true. Um, you've got your three point marksman for next season. You know Justin Powell was that guy um, that was kind of the fearless three point shooter, but now you've got Dylan Cardwell, who obviously the best three point shooter. On the team, you're very funny, Justin. Very funny and original. Uh, Rusty Owens. Any information on where he might land? Yeah, everything's still really early um, in the process. Obviously, I mean, he's a Kentucky kid, so I mean that's something. But I mean, not many players, not many players play in their hometown. So I mean, it, I don't know. That's that's really the only link that I would think exists right now for Justin Powell. Were you around? Justin said, were you around when Mustafa left? Yeah, I was around when Mustafa Heron left. Um, I remember when he went to St. John's. I remember uh, you were not. I remember when a lot of people really freaked out about that, like really, really freaked out about that. I, saw, I can't remember who it was on Twitter. Not going to be able to credit them correctly, but um, somebody kind of comparing the situation to Mustafa Heron, and it kind of feels the same. But a lot of people thought the thing about Mustafa was a lot of people thought Mustafa might have been the best player on that team. Heading into next season. So he transferred after Auburn won the SEC title in 2018, the regular season championship. I have to differentiate because uh, it was Carter Michaels. Okay, shout out Carter Michaels. I completely agree. Um, Yeah, so it was after um, Auburn won the SEC regular season championship that Mustafa Heron decided to leave. Um, Kind of a different – I mean, Mustafa Heron was different than any transfer situation I'd ever seen just because he had to head back home, uh, I believe, Connecticut. Uh, I guess it doesn't really matter if I get that wrong but uh, somewhere up north he had to head back home because his mom was really sick and so he wanted to go take care of his mom and so that was kind of a situation where it's like I mean come on you can't you can't rag on that guy like I mean he's got to go do what he's got to go do but in terms of like meltdown and especially before we knew what what was happening with Mustafa Heron like before we knew the reasoning behind it in terms of meltdown yeah it I mean it's a minor meltdown I guess but it's a player that you were really excited for for the next season um, as a contributor, somebody who's going to be one of your best players. I mean, Uh, Justin Powell, if he had been back next season, let's say Sharif Cooper uh, doesn't come back next season. Then Justin Powell was probably one of your three or four best players. When he was in the lineup this season, there were games where he was Auburn's best player on the floor. Now other guys developed over the course of the season, like a JT Thor. I mean, Alan Flanagan, I thought, um, got a lot better as the season went along. Dylan Cardwell got really good. Everybody started to develop. So it would have been interesting to see. It would have been interesting to see, uh, you know, how Justin Powell would have developed along with them. But obviously, we're not going to find that out. Um, not the end of the world. I am excited to, or I guess, just sort of looking forward to uh, finding out his his reasoning behind leaving because it kind of seemed like he was in line for if if not a starting spot, then like a sixth man spot so it'll be interesting to see why he chose to leave um but i'm you know what i'm waiting for him to talk uh because everybody else has no idea what's going on uh we have no idea the reasoning behind it yes justin lee reading the live chat right now uh thank you justin mike sounds good i hope hope so i hope so i hope everybody likes it um yeah these fans are melting down yeah i mean it's kind of, you know, it's not very busy. We're still waiting on spring practice to happen. Everybody wants to get uh, up in arms about something. I do, like, understand, I guess, like, the the whole mystery of the Powell situation. Although, I mean, it's he, he had a concussion for the whole season. Like, we're not, like, why should we believe anything else? I do understand the people who are like, okay, why did the concussion take so long to come back from? But what you've got to realize is, I mean, concussions have different, I mean, it's, every head injury is different. Every injury period is different. You know, like, and, and you're not going to rush anybody back. And Bruce Pearl has always been like that. Regardless of the type of injury, he's never going to rush anybody back into things. Uh, Justin Ferguson, um, none of y'all know who he is. Um, thoughts on the idea of JT Thor at the three? Yeah, what do you think about that, Ferg? I mean, I, F- Smith at the three, maybe. it just. I think it just depends. He and... He and Thor have such a similar build, right? I was kind of realizing that when I was putting together like the lineup story at the beginning of the week. Like, I think, I mean, and, and you don't know the last time Jabari Smith was, we're talking about the five star forward is coming in for Auburn next season. Uh, I mean, I guess you don't know, like, he hasn't been weighed super recently, but uh, he's six foot 10, 210 pounds on his 24 seven sports page. And Thor was clocked in this season at six foot five, 205. And so they don't, I mean, they don't have the exact same skill set per se. Um, I mean, Thor developed a lot of his skills over the course of the season. We'll see how raw um, a guy like Jabari Smith is coming in as just a true freshman next year. But I mean, Thor and especially now, Thor and um, Thor and Jabari Smith has have to have to be starting together, right? Um, I think it's the best to have Thor and yeah, Thor and Smith and Williams at the same time. Yeah, those guys – and it was tough when you – the Powell situation almost kind of, like, um, unclogs a bit of a jam just for the starting lineup. Like, I mean, not that the starting lineup is really what matters. It's obviously the minutes that count, um, you know, and, and the positions don't really matter that much. It's, it's really just how they're used over the course of the game in um, a rotation chart. Hint, hint. That's really um, what matters. But I think now you'd be able to play Flanagan at the two – which still allows him to be on the wing, and it gives you a lot of size. And depending on, just again, just in your starting lineup, but your bench has got pretty good size too. Um, Depending on who you get as a point guard transfer, which it's, I mean, assuming it's not Sharif Cooper. I mean, Sharif could come back, sure. Um, But, you know, the assumption is that when you're a first-round prospect, you're going to leave for the NBA draft. So depending on if they get a transfer point guard, which they probably will, if Sharif leaves, depending on his size, that can be a really big um, starting five for Auburn next season with flanagan able to play the two so but it's a yeah justin you said that you didn't think he'd be starting did not foresee him starting next season yeah um i was kind of going back and forth between how that lineup was gonna go there was really no i mean we're projecting months and months you know almost an entire year you know ahead of the next season but just because the last season just ended but uh i mean there's there's really there was no way to go wrong depending on what position you had Powell playing, it really didn't matter where you had him in the lineup. And it really didn't matter what the starting lineup was going to be. Next season, I mean, Bruce Pearl has a lot of experience playing a lot of starting caliber players. Um, The right amount of minutes, the example I keep going back to, talking about JT Thor and um, Jabari Smith in the front court and Jalen Williams, and how is he going to juggle those? Um, I mean, I go back to the Anthony McLemore and Austin Wiley situation where granted both those guys weren't healthy at the same time all the time but when they were healthy together I thought Bruce did a really good job of balancing them um really good job of kind of getting them together and getting them to play around I think they both would play around 25 to 30 minutes a game and so you know they kind of were playing the same position sometimes when Anthony was at center and so yeah I'm not necessarily concerned about that but you know the Powell injury does he's a really talented player he showed that he had a lot of skills and he wasn't just the three point marksman we thought he was going to be this season. So wherever he lands in the, we'll, we'll stop talking so much about a guy who's not even going to be here anymore, but uh, wherever he lands, I mean, they're getting a really talented player. He was able to kind of stuff the stat sheet um, in his limited time. He had at Auburn. I think Trey Alexander helped them. yeah Yeah. Um, the thing about Trey Alexander is not enough people talking about his uh, as a ball handler. I think, I mean, that's probably what you're talking about, Ferg, but, yeah, I don't, I don't think uh, a lot of people – I don't think enough people are talking about him just because <laughs> – just because um, – just I mean, it's the Jabari Smith effect, you know? Like, you get the highest-rated signing in program history. The other guy is going to be a little bit of an afterthought. Um, but, yeah, I mean, being a four-star, two-guard, a guy who can – and the thing about Trey Alexander is he just gets buckets wherever he is on the floor, um, whether that's as a shooter. Uh, you watch some of these videos of the, his ability to – Creating the lane and scoring in the lane. Uh, it's really, really impressive when he's able to do that. And so he's Jared and Bryce kind of fused together. I get, yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be nice for Auburn. They'd really like that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like what he does. I like what he does passing the ball a lot. And I think Justin Powell was probably in a position to, to help out with the point guard rotation, I would think. <clears throat> I mean, it just, depending on what happened style wise. Yeah. Depending on what happened with the, you know, transfer point guard and, Jamal Johnson wanting to play point guard and, and maybe training in the offseason to play more point guard. Um, yeah, I think Trey Alexander is probably going to help there because Justin Powell probably was going to help there too. So uh, enough Auburn. We'll get on to Auburn football now. Been chatting a little bit Auburn basketball. Let me get in here and, and see if we've got any uh, questions or anything like that. Okay, we'll just go back to the ones that we had at the beginning. So the first one. So I asked today, everybody – uh, what are you most looking forward to about spring practice this year? Concerns, you know, anything y'all wanted to talk about with spring practice, just because it is right around the corner. We weren't a hundred percent sure of when it was going to be. Uh, we all kind of assumed it was Monday, but then you looked at Auburn's countdown. They were, you know, on Twitter, they were having videos and talking about how many days away it was going to be. And that lined it up to be on Tuesday, but you know, you'd think it's going to start on Monday. And so Brian Harson said this week, um, that they're going to practice on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. He likes to have those two days in between Tuesdays and Thursdays. He likes to have those, um, he said to be able to rest and look at the film, kind of sit back and, and, uh, evaluate what you've done. He doesn't necessarily like to just go and go and go. He likes to be able to go put in a lot of work in one day and then sit back and, um, sort of assess what's happened. And then Friday and Saturday going into, you know, there'll be a scrimmage on Saturday after a few weeks. And I, I would assume stadium. There's going to be a lot of stadium work on a Saturday. Um, he likes to go two days in a row there because that kind of uh, emulates the in-season feeling of going back-to-back and doing work on a Friday and then immediately going into a game on a Saturday. So exciting stuff. It's going to be the first spring for Brian Harson. Uh, spring practice, obviously. Uh, college football programs are not going to be taking that for granted anymore because – of everything that happened last season. They're obviously going to be excited about the way that's going to go this year because everything was taken away last year. So people are going to, I think people are going to be just overall a lot more excited um, about spring practice this year as opposed to years past, just because, you know, now, now we know what it looks like when we don't have it and it kind of sucks to not have football for that long. So uh, let's see the first question I got or the first just response, I guess I got from the, from the Twitter poll or Twitter, Asking on Twitter was uh, somebody, big man, (laughs) at Harold's youngest. um, Just seeing what the O and D schemes will look like under new management. Bonix's development, can the O-line get better? Uh, How will the D lineman fit in Mason's system? Yeah, that's the one. That's um, development of the wide receivers. Anyone else being every down back except Tank. Yeah, the defensive line, just because we know that Derek Mason is going to be different. And we know that what he's going to bring is going to be different than what Kevin Steele had with the four-two-five. Um, 2 But we don't know exactly how he's going to use that yet. And you've got a roster full of players that, not that this matters a ton, but you've got a roster full of players that were recruited for another system. So, yeah, you know, getting those guys in and um, getting them to play different, not, not different positions, but just kind of different roles within that defense. Maybe you've got a true nose tackle. Your edge rushers might look a little bit different. Um, you're gonna probably differentiate your outside linebackers versus your inside linebackers a little bit more. Um, how is he gonna use a nickel? You know, how often is he gonna use nickel? Uh, I know, you know, Ladarius Tennyson, who Auburn fans are really excited. We're really excited to to take over that nickel position. He's been working a little bit at safety too, so it'll be interesting to see or preparing to play safety. I mean, they haven't had any practices yet, but preparing to play safety so um it'll be interesting to see how those guys kind of fit in with the defense new defensive scheme um like you talked about seeing what the new offensive and defensive schemes will look like bo nix's development obviously everybody's gonna be everybody's gonna be all over that um just because now you've kind of got a kind of got a dedicated um quarterback coach in mike bobo where i mean you've had that in the past but I think with Bobo and Brian Harson you really have and we've talked about it on the podcast before was you really got two of the better quarterback coaches historic you know just looking at their track records and their resumes you've got two of the better quarterback coaches in the entire industry um together on one staff and Harson and Bobo talk or Harson talked about how you know they're going to get their offenses together and Bobo is going to call the plays but really they want to get together and sort of have a mesh of their systems you know that's one of the reasons he sought out um, Mike Bobo that's one of the reason reasons Harson sought out Bobo as his offensive coordinator is because they kind of share similar ideals for what an offense should look like and um, the different styles they should have you know how a quarterback should be developed um, and Harson was able to see some of those things up close and personal when Bobo was at Colorado State and they were together um, in the mountain West so yeah, I'm interested to see that. Too. I mean, it's it's hard for a guy like Bo Nix uh, to have three different quarterback coaches in three years, three different offensive coordinators. And th- I mean, I guess that's the bigger one. Three different offensive coordinators in three years. That just, I mean, that can't be easy for anybody. Um, I know that you know Gus Malzahn did what he did with the offense, and obviously he had a big impact on the offense, and his fingerprints were on the offense very often because he's an offensive guy. Um, and Brian Harson's going to be the same way. But I think it'll be interesting to see how much of this offense and talking to Brian Harson and hopefully talking to Mike Bobo um, and talking to some of the players. Hope, you know, hopefully you'll be able to see an offense that really is able to mesh together um, and not just have one type of style and another type of style. You'll be able to put things together with with Harson and Bobo. And that's really what Bo Nix needs. He needs consistency um, and somebody who's going to be able to be a consistent quarterback coach and a and a true quarterback coach, a, a dedicated quarterback coach. Um, like Mike Bobo, who's shown that he's really good at that. So, And then offensive line. Uh, you talked about it right there. You know, Can the offensive line get better? Um, I mean, they had their moments last season where things went well for them, uh, run blocking and pass blocking when they were at their full strength and Brandon, before Brandon Councils, because Brandon Council might have been the best player along the line before he got hurt against Ole Miss. Um, they were pretty good. And Tank Bigsby makes you look pretty good because he's one of the best running backs in the country coming back. He might be the, I mean, I think he might be the best running back in the SEC coming back. So yeah, a guy like that is going to make you look pretty good. But at the same time, I mean, they were, they were pretty consistent in terms of it's just a matter of the injury situation throughout last year. Um, Obviously they weren't given a very good, uh, a very good shake in fall camp because of all the COVID issues they had Because Gus Malzahn told us last year that they didn't have the same starting five in in more than one week of fall camp a single time. They were dealing with, I mean, Brandon Council was playing center. You know, they were just kind of moving guys around a lot because of injuries. I mean, Austin Troxell had his concussion at the beginning of last season um, and the COVID cases as well. So really... I mean, yeah, I'm. I'm. In, I would like to, obviously. You know, they need to be more consistent, and they need. You know, how much better can they be? But really, I think the number one thing is just having the same group and getting locked in on a group. And the thing about bringing in a new offensive line coach, which talk about another position coach that's been turned over over the years that they've, you know, had a bunch of over the last few years as offensive line as well. Um, so maybe Will Friend will be able to be here for a few years and and give that group some consistency, but. You know, just getting that group solidified and they've, they've got a clean slate. That's the big thing is that, you know, Will Friend, he's going to be able to look at the film and he's going to be able to know um, how good they were last season. But really, he's going to want to see him with his own eyes and he's going to want to dissect this group and figure out who he thinks um, is going to be the best starting five out there. You know, yeah, are they just going to roll out the same exact group that started the beginning of last season? Maybe Keandre Jones plays right guard at the beginning of the year because Brandon Council's injured. But then what happens if Brandon Council gets healthy? And where does Austin Troxel fit in? You know, it's a very is Killian Zire healthy enough to compete at a tackle spot. Like you've got pieces there. Um, I agree though that you've gotta you've gotta get them consistent and you've gotta get them all playing well at the same time because over the last couple seasons, really since like 2018 pretty much, it's been you have know, got your pieces there. You've got your, you've got your talent, but getting them all in a group of five that's going to work well together um, has been a little bit of a challenge. So that's huge. Yeah, that's huge for Auburn to be able to take a step forward this season. I mean, we've talked about the offensive line for months and months. Uh, Daniel Brown says his concern is, will we see good Mike Bobo or bad Mike Bobo? Yeah, I mean, uh, over the course of his career, Mike Bobo's been pretty good. Um, he gave Auburn a lot of trouble when he was at Georgia. He had a lot of success there. I mean, he was a little bit inconsistent kind of down the stretch at Georgia, but overall was pretty successful there. I think people just kind of look at, and I mean, I don't necessarily blame them a ton, but I think people kind of look at the Mike Bobo hire when it first happened and thought it was a little stale. Um, But then the more it went along and we've talked about this before, but the more it went along, um, and the more you were able to kind of understand Harson's thinking with the hire, um, you started to realize that it made a little bit of, it made a lot of sense actually. When you look at both their offensive schemes and how they like to run things, the fact that you can get essentially the two of the same minds together, um, you know, two brains working together in the same offense and with the same ideals. Obviously, we don't know what it's going to look like until um, the on-field product gets out there, but. At least right now, it seems like that's probably going to be a good marriage. So I think this is a good spot for Mike Bobo. I really do think – I mean, he's got talent um, on this team. I, I know the wide receivers room, and that's what uh, Daniel was talking about, is that the wide receivers room is is an area of concern because they're so inexperienced. They lose their top three pass catchers from last season. But, I mean, I think my Bo- Mike Bobo stepping into a pretty good situation where – um I don't think we're going to, I don't think we're going to see, I don't think at this time next season, I don't think we're going to be seeing or talking about bad Mike Bobo. I think we'll be, I think we'll be talking about good Mike Bobo. Um, but it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely something that is understandable why people felt that way. And it's understandable that people are, uh, you know, a little unsure about it and just want to see how things play out. And they're not necessarily, they didn't necessarily think that was a home run hire. Completely understandable. I've been, I've convinced myself a little bit that, um, it is a really good one, but We'll definitely have to see how it plays out. And then Daniel said um, what he's looking forward to, seeing the running back room take shape. He said the hard part is over. This is a good point. Finding a stud number one back, but can the others carry the load enough to help Bo Nix? Yeah, that is true. A lot of teams don't have um, a clear-cut number one running back. I mean, a lot of teams don't necessarily want that. Some teams would rather um, kind of split the carries and do things by committee. But I think Auburn fans are pretty satisfied by, I think they're pretty satisfied with having a number one guy just because of how the last few seasons went before Tank Bigsby of Gus Malzahn wanting to do things by committee and then not doing things by committee and then saying he had a number one back, but not using that guy too much, not using him enough. I think a lot of people are just probably pretty ready to have a number one guy um, that Auburn can just lean on game in and game out to get Twenty twenty five carries a game, yeah. I think uh, I mean I think Sean Shivers is a really good backup, is a really good number two back. Um, he's a guy that's going to be a team leader for you as well. And then I think Devin Barrett. Um, I wrote about him this morning as being a, a wild card player for this offense. I really do think he brings a lot of uh, he brings a lot of intrigue because I kind of like what Devin Barrett did at running back in two thousand seventeen. Um, I kind of like what he brought to the table. He was a guy that looked like a wide receiver and that makes sense why because he moved to wide receiver um, that spring before he moved to defensive back but he was a really highly recruited guy out of high school and I talked to his high school coach Jairus McIntyre um, a while back I think last month that he was a guy that was capable of doing it all and at Auburn was was willing to do it all was willing to contribute wherever he was needed on the roster which makes sense because he was moved to defensive back and he tried to be a defensive back and now the new coaching staff wants him to move back to running back. And it makes a lot of sense. You bring a guy in house, um, a guy who already is familiar with the team. Um, and you needed another running back cause you did get Jarquez Hunter, who I think is really good, really good freshman, the number one running back in Mississippi. Um, but Devin Barrett's got a little bit more experience. Um, and Tim Horton, I, his former running backs coach I also talked to him last month and he spoke really highly of, of his ability to compete on a day in and day out basis. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I get this. I talk about Devin Barrett a lot. Um, and I feel like it's just, I feel like it was a really smart move that I was really, I was kind of thinking about it when Barrett opted out last season and he hadn't decided if he was going to opt back in. I was like, well, they need a running back and they have a guy that looked pretty good at running back when he's a freshman. Maybe he can come in and just play the position again. So yeah, I'll be interested to see how the running back depth sort of shakes out because obviously everybody is vying for number two. But I agree with you that uh, it's it's nice when you've got a clear-cut number one guy and everybody else, you know, sort of knows their role as somebody who's going to spell that number one guy. And um, I think Devin Barrett, Sean Shivers, you know what he gives you. Um, but Devin Barrett is a guy that I think is really versatile and is able to create a little bit out of the backfield too. Um, Jonathan White. What's up, Jonathan. Um said progression of Bo Nix and Tank Bigsby specifically in a new scheme yeah again we talked about that a little bit but I mean Tank Bigsby I think I don't know if there's much you can do to coach this guy wrong <laughs> right now I mean as long as you don't lead him off a terrible path I mean he is he's got all the intangibles and tangibles that you'd want in a number one running back uh, I think that if they can just make him the focal point of the offense just get him a lot of touches. Um, I think that's all you've really got to do. Get him a lot of touches and keep him healthy because if you let him do those things, um, I think he really showed last season that he sort of has a natural ability to figure everything else. I mean, he looked like a video game player with the ability (laughs) to break tackles. I mean, the offensive line did a pretty good job, but again, um, Tank Bigsby's a guy that can make an offensive line look really good. So yeah, and then Bo Nix, we've been talking about a bunch, Um, You know, getting that consistency from him because he is a guy that, has a great arm um and he's a five-star talent i mean auburn fans know that he's got talent um but it's just a matter of putting a consistent offensive line in front of him and maybe getting some of his some of his fundamentals down a little bit um but i mean there's no question he's got a lot of heart and there's no question that he absolutely plays his heart out every single game um even in some of those games last year that they lost i mean i i, I always go back to the Texas A&M play where I mean, it looked like it looked like he was sacked in the backfield by like five guys. Um, he's definitely got a lot of athleticism and a lot of playmaking ability. It's getting all those things to come together into into kind of one complete product. That's going to be the biggest task for this new coaching staff. Troy Bolden what's up, Troy? Um, said he's excited about TD Moultrie working at linebacker and concerned about the wide receivers group. Yeah, we talked about the receivers a little bit. Um, again, another position that was recruited really well. Um Bunch of really highly recruited guys. Uh, I'm really high on Elijah Canyon. He showed a lot in the bowl game. Um, I think he was probably the best looking route runner in that game. Xavion Capers also showed you a lot too in that game. Or Xavion Capers showed you a lot throughout the season. Xavion Capers was hurt in that game. So hopefully it's a it's a foot injury for him. So hopefully he's able to be back by spring practice. We haven't heard anything about that yet. We'll get a we'll get something from Brian Harson on the first day of practice to see if he was. Um, able to be out there, but and then you've just got a slew of other guys behind them. Um, I mean, we're talking Kobe Hudson, JJ Evans, um, Malcolm Johnson Jr. is a guy I think could actually get in there and, and contribute a good bit just because he's probably one of the fastest players on the roster. He might be the fastest player on the roster. Um, Auburn's fastest player might still be a receiver, even without Anthony Schwartz, it might be Malcolm Johnson. So, um, Javarius Johnson is a guy from a few seasons ago that was a track stud out of Hewitt Trustville. He's the guy that can contribute. And then Kalen Newton is still there. Cam Newton's little brother who um, was a pretty good blocking receiver last year. So uh, it is a lot of unknowns though. It is a lot of players that uh, you don't necessarily know a lot about. I mean, Kobe Hudson and Capers contributed pretty well. I think they both had like a smidge under a hundred yards receiving on like 10 catches each last season, something, something in that ballpark, but I mean, other than that, you don't have a guy like an Eli Stove, who's got, you know, a ton of touchdowns and a ton of receptions in his career and a ton of experience leading the receivers room. So it'll be interesting to see who steps up, uh, who steps up as the number one receiver. Again, I think Elijah Canyon is capable of being that guy, Um, on Capers as well. And then there's a bunch of other, again, just really, really talented because of that class last year, which had JJ Evans and Kobe Hudson. Canyon, Capers, and Malcolm Johnson. Uh, Canyon was actually the lowest rated guy out of all four of those, um, or out of all five of those. He was three star, and everybody else was four star. So, and he looks like he might have the most potential. So, I think I think it's an exciting group for the future. But it, yeah, I would agree that it probably is something um, that may be a little bit of a concern just because of how inexperienced it is this season, and you don't really know what you're getting out of them. But still, a good group moving forward. Um, but yeah, I I would agree that it's something you got to watch, something you got to make sure um, is developing correctly, and it's not gonna not gonna hinder your offense too much. Uh, TD Moultrie working at linebacker is what Troy said he's most excited for. Yeah, I mean, you've got to find a way to use that guy. Uh, TD Moultrie kind of has been a bit of a afterthought for the past few seasons. He was working at Buck linebacker, um, so kind of that edge rusher spot, not too productive over the past few years. I'm actually gonna. Google his stats real quick. Um, But now he's moving to a true linebacker, stand-up linebacker role in Derek Mason's defense. So um, that was in January, actually, that our Jason Caldwell reported that he's going to make that switch. So uh, former fringe five-star player. Um, I think some people had him as a five-star. So he's been here for four years now. Um, So he's going to be that super senior sort of role. Um, he's got five sacks in his career his first two seasons he had a sack and a half each one of those seasons in 2018 he had a forced fumble um, but it's a, I mean he's a huge huge player um, in terms really gifted athletically so it's for him it's just a matter of getting him in that right position and I think it's a smart move you can always bounce him back um, to the outside if things don't necessarily work out for you I mean you're probably going to have him go through practices at one position and then you know, want to stick there, but he's got a lot of experience playing on the outside too. So, yeah, I'll be interested. I'll be interested to see how fluid he is because he is a guy with a really, really big frame who almost almost looks the part of a defensive end. Um, but he played a lot of stand up linebacker in high school too. So, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's somebody I hadn't I hadn't really thought about too much. But um yeah, it's important that he's going to be back. Just another experienced piece um, along the defense, and you've really got nothing to lose. You know, trying to trying to get him to the right place and um, trying to get him in a position where he's going to succeed. Uh, War Harson, <laughs> War Eagle Harson, um, said he's most excited about the O line. Bo Nix, running back, how are they progressing? Finding the right combo along the offensive line, running back depth. Bo Nix showing improvement. Yeah, we've touched on all these so far. New defensive recruits. Any of them look like starters? And will Harson and Bobo use the tight ends? Yeah. I mean, they've got a lot of talented guys coming in, um, in this class. And I think, yeah, that's a good point finding out if any of them look like starters, I would think this entire starting lineup along the defense is probably set, but you never know when a guy is going to be able to come in. I like maybe a Jawan Gaston. I mean, there's that safety spot, um, that's open for the taking, I guess you would consider Drayshawn Miller, the West Virginia transfer. He's a new guy. Um, is he going to be capable of taking one of those starting cornerback spots? Um, I think Roger McCreary probably has the number one spot locked down, and we think Nehemiah Pritchett. I mean, this is a, a Nehemiah Pritchett podcast. We talk about him every episode because um, he's really, really good, and I think he might be even better than Roger McCreary. Um, but you never know. And and we talked about Ladarius Tennyson before. Where is he going to kind of shake out? So yeah, that'll be interesting to see, um, especially with the early enrollees. You know, see guys that are able to have that additional springtime to kind of get settled in and and maybe figure out a niche. In the in the defense, because they, again they didn't have that last season. Nobody had a spring practice, and so uh, guys weren't able to come in and be early enrollees and get that advantage. Um, and then he also said, "Will Harson and Bobo use the tight ends?" Yeah, there's a lot of them. I mean, there's there's a lot of tight ends to choose from. Um, I think a lot of people last season were really excited about Brandon Frazier, the six foot seven, like two fifty out of Texas. He was a freshman last season. Um, he was injured pretty much the entire year, and then played the last few games and really didn't do much. I think he caught one pass. Uh, J.J. Pegues is probably your most productive tight end overall, but that's just because of what he's able to do in all facets of the game. He's able to carry the ball. He's able to – I mean, he threw a pass. Um, he's able to do a lot of different things. And then he's really good blocking, too. I mean, that's probably the best thing he does is he's sprung a lot of big plays blocking downfield. He's a pretty mean blocker at the line of scrimmage, too. So, yeah, it's, I mean, we've been hearing about it for years – I mean, getting the ball to the t- getting the ball to the tight end more. I mean, Chad Morris came in and was the tight end guy, was the guy that apparently was going to change things around and make it so this was a, a tight end-focused offense, at least in a way. Um, and it happened more. I mean, they threw it to a tight end more than they did in, like, the past five seasons combined last year. So it'll be interesting to see whether that trend continues, especially because they've got so many of them on the roster. I mean, how are you going to be able to utilize all these guys at once? Um Because John Samuel Schenker, who's playing baseball right now for Auburn, he's really good. I'm a big fan of Landon King, the freshman, not just because his last name is King either. Um, I'm a big fan of Landon King, the freshman who's coming in. He's a tight end out of Texas um, because he's a guy that kind of split out in high school too and was able to play a lot of wide receiver. And he's been been saying all over social media that he also wants to play wide receiver um, at Auburn. And so he's a guy that thinks he's capable of doing that sort of a more slender tight end build. But yeah, I mean, I think you look at what Harson and his offenses have done in the past, and it's predicated around... Um, a lot of it's predicated around play action and getting the ball deep downfield, having a deep threat, that's really big. But at the same time, having smart checkdowns for your quarterback, um, that was that's a big focal point of his offenses in the past, Mike Bobo as well. And so that takes the form of a running back out of the backfield. But a lot of times that takes the form of tight end too, um, having a guy over the middle who's a big target, who's a mismatch against the linebacker. And so for Auburn, it's not that they don't have the personnel. um, It's just how much they want to use them because they 100% have the tight end personnel to be able to do that. Um, And then Nate said the biggest concern. Yeah, I agree with this. Biggest concerns has to be both lines. Yeah. I think somebody asked me like last week uh, what the, what the number one thing to watch for in spring practice was on the field and yeah, it's both lines of scrimmage. Um, just because, especially the defensive line, I think after Marlon Davidson and Derek Brown left, a lot of people—I mean, a lot of people were used to their dominance and what they were—they were able to do. Um, I mean, they were once in, once in 50 years like <laughs> players. I mean, especially Derek Brown, really, really good player, two of the best players, two of the best defensive players in Auburn history. Derek Brown certainly. Um, and so to go from that and to take those guys away and ask for their production to be replaced. You just kind of didn't have the same physicality. You know, you didn't have that same oomph along the defensive line. Um, You you know, it's hard to replace that. And so um, I think that physicality, I mean, Derek Mason is a guy that is going to want to do that. Nick Eason coming in from the NFL makes you pretty optimistic about the way the defensive line is going to look. I think Colby Wooden probably leads the charge there. He'll probably be playing more of a true defensive end spot. And then I think it's really big that Tyrone Truesdell. He's coming back, too. He's coming back for sort of a super senior season as well. So I think that's really big. If if he wants to play that true nose tackle spot, um, that's really big for them. And then we've talked about the offensive line a bunch, getting the same five guys to play together um, and to have that consistency throughout practice, throughout a spring camp, throughout summer, throughout a fall camp. I think it's probably what's most important. Hopefully you know, COVID doesn't play a huge role. Again, I know it'll still be still a thing. It's still something they're going to have to deal with, but hopefully they don't have... Um, as many COVID troubles as they did last season, I think that is pretty much it in terms of everything that we've got going on. Uh, hope everybody enjoyed it. Just kind of wanted to get on here and see how this goes. We got this YouTube channel back up and running. Um, I know Brandon, Brandon Marcello, everybody knows who he is, uh, used to use this channel a lot. And so I was able to get it from him. So we're going to try it out and see how things are going and try to do a few of these every once in a while and see how they go gonna turn this one into a podcast just because why not um, that I'll post tomorrow morning so hopefully we didn't ramble on too long but uh, hope everybody enjoyed it hope everybody had a good time uh, definitely let me know shoot me a message on Twitter Instagram uh, not Instagram <laughs> Twitter uh, the the message boards is what I meant to say uh, if you didn't you know if you have a suggestion or anything like that definitely let me know and i will guess i'll sign off now i appreciate you guys tuning in we've had a good few people tuned in the entire time so hope everybody's enjoyed it and uh i will catch you guys next time